Okay. Um, at this time, we're ready to have our sermon. You ready? He's ready. Brought to us today by our elder Steve Andrews, uh, entitled Repent and Believe the Gospel. I don't normally have a paper to pass out, but I do have one today. So uh, while Owen's passing that out, I'd like to share a little bit of uh, ancient technology with you. <clears throat> it's called carrying water when the water is not running in your house. And um, this has been kind of an interesting uh, week. I had a, uh, <laughs> a small little place in a very bad spot that I was trying to fix myself, and I did finally fix it, but it was blowing water all over the place. Even though I had the ability to turn the water on, I still was without water for nearly a whole week. And I've come to find out that these modern conveniences, uh, when we lose them, we're almost lost as to how to, to figure out how to make things work out. Uh, we, <laughs> I was carrying water from the church. I came over here and, and got, got a, I've got about a 15-gallon thing I could take home and flush the toilet or you know wash the hands and different things like that. But I realized, and I realized uh, uh, quite uh, profoundly, how the society that we live in uh, could fall apart very, very quickly in in just losing those things that, that are um, we take for, for, for granted, like water and electricity. Uh, I've also kind of lost the uh, heater in my house, so we've been using space heaters. I never did lose the electricity, but just imagine if you didn't have the electricity, you didn't have water, and you're living in a, in a modern facility in a house, it would be very difficult to survive in that in that environment, so I want to see where I'm at here. I'm almost over. <laughs> well, I hope you don't mind if I go a little bit beyond the three minute three uh, uh, three o'clock thing here. Um, anyway, on this uh, interesting that I was thinking about this for quite a while, uh, about a week or so, uh, and some of the things that Jesus uh, had said were in my mind, and, and I, was, I kept mulling them over. He said, and I I've, I've put these first three on there, written um, so that if, you know, if we didn't want to read that up there, you'd have that. But I wanted to just quickly say these first three, uh, uh, four uh, uh, scriptural verses here. He says, and saying, repent you, for the kingdom of heaven is hand, at hand. Remember, he came out from um, battling with Satan, and he began to preach this message. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is hand. And in Mark, the, uh, the Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 17, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark uses a little bit different terminology. 
and said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. And I added this one because I've, I've been thinking and meditating on what Jesus was saying about, about this situation uh, that, these, uh, that they came to him with. They said, There were present at the season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And there were present, uh, and, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Suppose you that the Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such a thing? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Interesting. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siom fell and slew them, think you that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. The word repent, I, I put that one up there. And, and I think the second um, their, uh, their, um, definition is probably more correct in this particular um, scenario that we're talking about today, uh, that Jesus was talking about. To change one's mind for better. Hardly to amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. And I think that's exactly what repent means um, for each of us. We have to come to that point in our life where we uh, just abhor what we have done in the past. And we come before Jesus. And It's interesting that he says, if you don't repent, you're going to perish. And so, later in the book of John, and you can turn to John, the third chapter, and we're so familiar with this, (laughs) most of us could quote it, uh, at least John 3.16. But I want to start in verse 14. Within this scenario that we're talking about here, John 3 and verse, um, in fact, I could go through this whole thing, but I wanted to just stop, uh, start here um, in verse, uh, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus later would, would explain this, how you could have eternal life, how you could not perish how you could not perish. In other words, how you could live forever, have eternal life, by believing in him. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So those deeds that are good, God sees us 
He sees his children, which we are if we have his spirit. So, what we all must do, it's, these are scriptures that we read over and over again, but we all must do this at some point in our life. We must come to the point where we repent of our past and accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And so we find that in Acts, the second chapter, and we know that Peter gave a, a profound um, message to those that were there at the day, on the day of Pentecost. But I don't want to read all that today. I've got some other things that I want to, uh, to go into, as you can see. In Acts, the, two, the second chapter, and beginning in, um, so I find Acts, the second chapter, <laughs> and beginning in chapter 38 here. Um, okay, all right. Well, let's, I'm going to pick it up a little further than 38. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, in other words, all, everyone know, assuredly, that God has made that Jesus, whom you crucify, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were, they were cut in the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. Repent. If you look at that, if you look up there again at that, to change one's mind for the better. To heartily amend with abhorrence one's past sins. He's talking to a group of people that had just gone together and said, we want Barabbas. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify Jesus. And so when they began to understand what they have done, they were pricked in the heart and they understood that they needed to do something. And so they asked, what can we do? We're lost. We're going to perish. And Peter said, repent. Let everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, and as many as the Lord our God will call. What a profound thing that Jesus has put together, the Father and Jesus has put together for us, for all of the world, in fact. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off and as many as the Lord our God will call. We're all being called. Actually, the whole world is being called. And if you are listening to this and on YouTube later, um, or, or even right now, we're being called to his kingdom. We're being called to such greatness and wonderfulness. In 2 Peter 3, and, and this is where I was tying in uh, to these first verses, because it's not just the repentance that's important in these verses. It's not just that. It is the beginning, the continuation of, of what he's saying. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand in, in verse 17 in Matthew. And Mark 15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. This is almost 2,000 years later. Almost 2,000 years later. And we have not seen the return of Christ to this earth. 
And so we find in the second, in second Peter, people saying, yeah, he's never going to come back. He's not going to make it back. He's never going to, to be here on this earth. Second Peter 3, and beginning in, uh, I'm just going to read, and beginning in verse, verse 3 here, starting verse 3. Knowing this first, that the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who look at the book of you know, God's word as myth, as, you know, fairy tales. The word of God is truth. It is true. It is real. For this they willfully forget that the word of God, the heavens of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, and by which the, the world that then existed perished according uh, by uh, being flooded with water, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and, and perdition of the ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. Don't forget this, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so when we begin to understand God's holy days, and we begin to put that plan of God together, it makes sense. And by the, by the way, even if we die, if we die in the Lord, if we die with God's Holy Spirit in us, we're going to be resurrected into the kingdom, and it doesn't make any difference in where, if we're in the grave for 10 days, 10 years, or 10,000 years. God's promise is sure, and it will happen, and it's going to happen. And one of these days, Christ will return to this earth physically, and the world will not like it. You can read the book of Revelation. There are people that are going to fight against Christ. They're not going to win, but they're going to fight. And so the promise is there, and, and it's there uh, continuing on. Let me, let me read just a few more verses here. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for them and hasting the coming of the day of God, because that which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, nevertheless we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Everyone that lives into that into that kingdom, that is good news. That is the gospel. That's what the word gospel means. Good tidings, great tidings, good news. Not the bad news sometimes that we get um, when we turn on the TV or we listen to things on the radio or we're avid um, uh, you know, phone uh, addicts for news. 
So there is good news. The Lord will keep his promise and things will come about and be done. Peter preaches the gospel in Acts the third chapter. And this is a this is a beautiful, another one of Peter's power, powerful um, uh, messages. And let's let's read this and let's understand the power of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. Beginning in verse eleven. Beginning in verse eleven. Now and by the way, the lame man was, was healed, and so this is where we pick it up. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which was called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for the murderer <clears throat> to be granted to you and killed the prince of this life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses." And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in his presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your hearts, or your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up to you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things whatsoever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel to those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham and to his seed, All the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning every one of you from his iniquities. And it continues on to this day, continuing on. Jesus is calling us out, calling all out of this world, and those that will hear will repent, and they will come. There's always a warning in the Bible, isn't there? There's always something in there that uh, needs to be read and help, help us to understand that our lives must be in tune with God and must continue in that. 
We must not be unbelievers as some had been at one time. And in Hebrews, the third chapter, you've got that there, and beginning in verse 1, I think this is a very profoundly interesting um, chapter because it reveals God's attitude towards those that don't believe. We must have faith in what God is doing. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, and that's us, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus as it has in the Bible, who was faithful to him, who appointed him as Moses was faithful to his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he, was bu- he who has built the house has more Honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken of afterwards. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whom house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. And Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. And he will always be the head of the church. Even though we preach, we teach, we do what we can, we need to understand that Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, as Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, in the day of the trial, in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, (coughs) <coughs> they, do, they, all, uh, they always go astray in their hearts, and they, do not, uh, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my, mouth, in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. I need to take just a minute. There's a, uh, Beware, brethren, let us there be any view an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom he was angry forty years, was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that we could not enter in in, uh, because of unbelief. And so... We have to believe the gospel. We have to believe the good news of the kingdom of God our whole life. No matter whether we see it, come here or not, and we're buried and waiting for it in, in our grave, which many of our um, friends have, have, have been, been buried over the years. We have to understand that we have to continue to believe it because there's a resurrection gospel that's being preached and has been preached and Paul was so powerful in preaching the resurrection gospel. And in his day, there were those that didn't believe in the resurrection. 
I believe what, what Paul was preaching, what he was teaching, that Jesus was resurrected. And so it is so wonderful to understand these things. So in verse 12, beginning in, Revel- in, in, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and verse 12, Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. If, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if this life only we had hope in Christ, we are all men most pitiable. But now as Christ is risen from the dead, has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterwards, those who are Christ in his coming. That's you and I. Amen. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God and the Father, when he has put all, the end of all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is that nemesis that we have that follows us everywhere in our families and everything, and it's called death death and Jesus has overcome that thing called death because of the resurrection it is really really a powerful thing there is a kingdom gospel that is the resurrection gospel that's the good news these are all good news except for the warning and that's even good news because if we understand that we are not to be unbelievers but believing then we have much, much hope. I like this scripture. I've always, I, I, I like it at the feast. I like it and I think about it a lot. I want to see the kingdom of God on this earth. I want, considering what's going on, and I hope we're not getting ready to go into a, a uh, you know, third world war in this, in this world, but man, there's so many things going on in the society. Um, Israel having to battle their enemies. We're getting involved in the Middle East in, in, a, in a bigger way. There's so much with the Ukraine and the Russian and, and uh, Pakistan and, and Turkey. Uh, I mean, if you're watching the news, it's kind of scary what's going on. I trust in, in God. I trust in Christ. I, I trust in them to be able to carry us through no matter what comes. And I look forward to the day as Isaiah, the second chapter, now it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above all the hills and all nations shall flow into it and many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his path for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations. So they're not going to be wiped out. Their nations are going to be there still. So he's going to judge. We're going to be able to 
to judge among the nations. Um, the, uh, Jerusalem, he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowed shares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so right there, we know that the kingdom of God has not come to this earth. <laughs> if, if you want a prophecy you know, that, uh, to understand that says that the kingdom of God is not here, when you realize that we're still killing one another and having to use bombs and, and, and swords and everything else to kill one another, each other, and there has not been peace because Christ has not returned yet, then you can understand the scriptures and what they mean. I like the reward gospel. This is the last part. And I'm sorry if it's a little bit longer, but I, I like, I, wanna, I want to reveal these to you because this is our hope. Jesus holds this out to all who come to him. Some things that we don't even understand. We cannot comprehend the glory that we will receive in the kingdom of God. There's just no way that we can actually understand the glory that we will have in the kingdom of God. It's one of those things that you can think about it, you can meditate on it, you can um, speculate about it, but the fact is there is no way that we can really understand it until we're standing there on the sea of glass and he begins to, to dole out or to give out these wonderful gifts that he's going to give to those who are faithful, who are righteous, who are, are dressed in white raiment and beautiful, beautiful white raiment. And I'm just skipping, and you, you see what I've got here. So in Revelation 2, verse 7, it says, and, and you can go through all the churches. We've done this before in, 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 in great detail and, and, and learning about this. But I wanted to just go through these and help you to understand this gospel of that kingdom and how we are going to receive these wonderful rewards and gifts that, that's coming from God. He who has an ear, let him hear him. What the Spirit says to the churches, to him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And we were denied that as a family. Uh, Adam and Eve had the opportunity. They did not sin. They would have had an opportunity to, to have taken of the tree of life, but we will be there and be able to take of that tree of life. Verse 11, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes <clears throat> shall not be hurt by the second death. <clears throat> we have eternal life. When that, we come before Christ and before the Father, we will be eternal. We will have eternal life. And uh, verse 17, 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give um, some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one uh, knows except him who receives it. In 26 through 29. Um, and he who, has, uh, he who overcomes keeps my works until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. And as I have also received of my Father, 
and I will give him the morning star. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Chapter 3, beginning verse 5 and verse 6, it says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will blot, I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what he, the Spirit says to the churches. We are a part of that. So open your ears, hear what is said. Uh, verses 12 through 13. He who overcomes, I will make him pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God. <coughs> the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In the last one, 21 to 22. To him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I've also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus' words, wonderful words that he says. He came and he said, and he was preaching, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. means change your life. And if we need to repent, even while we're in this state, we need to repent. Repent, ye, and believe the good news, because it is good news.